Cork are in serious trouble. In the Munster Championship, they're going to get beaten. They're going to get beaten early. And when the Cork crowd turn against them, they turn so harsh. The Football Pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. And you're very welcome along to episode 9 of the Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue. What a weekend of football that was. It was very hard to keep on top of everything that was happening. So many games that mattered. I was in Ennis at Clare and Mead, caught up on all the football afterwards. James O'Donoghue, you were probably red zoning it. While Paddy Andrews was in New York City. You're home, Paddy. Just about. <laughs> oh, look at him. When did you get back? He shook. I got back about what feels like about 10 minutes ago. But uh, no, we got back this morning. Uh, great trip. What a town. A lot of Irish got on. We went over on Wednesday. Obviously, Paddy's Day was a Thursday. Our flight was practically half taken over by Salt Hill Nocticara. Yeah? Yeah, they were over. Uh, Sean Armstrong, the Sean Ar- his, his father's memorial game was on. They were all due to go in 2020, uh, but it was cancelled, obviously, with COVID. So there was about 40 or 50 of them in the airport flying over. They were playing New York. On Saturday, I think in Gaelic Park, so uh, Finian Hanley and Sean Armstrong and, and some of those lads. Uh, I think they were just on the coaching staff. They were going for a few points. And the poor young lads had to play the game. But um, That's class. There, was, there was a big buzz going over there. And then, obviously, we were down in Fifth Avenue for Paddy's Day. and bumped into a lot of familiar faces. It's incredible. Like I think everyone was over. Serious bit of crack, but uh, Jesus, lads, it's not easy now coming back this morning. What a city. Go on, tell tell the listeners and fill in James O'Donoghue of your sort of, your winning mentality, Paddy. You landed <laughs> you landed at 5am this morning in Dublin Airport. Oh, today? Yeah. So, so we flew through the night. Not much sleep, I have to say. I'm not great. I'm not a great man for sleeping on planes. Uh, got home. Was it Ryanair? <laughs> I wasn't right there. I'm waiting for the right there. Absolutely wedged in. Jesus Christ. Down with the bags. Uh, now we got in about what, five o'clock. Threw an wash on. Went and did a class. Bike row ski. I'm sure some of us familiar with it. Sweat a bit of the, the Guinness and the stakeout. I did a few more classes though. I think I don't think one was enough. Um, and then into work for the day. So. And you're up to record the football pod late on Monday night. That is commitment. I don't know if that'll be for me, James, after a week in New York. I'm heading that direction in May. I'll be going to New York and New Orleans in May. So I'm planning to do the pod from New York that week. Oh, nice. I do the bike ski, all right, but not to work. Yeah. I had to do something, lads. You know, when you're over the state, anywhere in the States, not just over there for four or five days, the food. Paddy, you've been over... You've been over a few times, I'd imagine. Would you be a man for shopping in New York or would you be the one who would walk around yeah. looking at the, the buildings and the skyscrapers? Holding her son's handbag around the shops around Macy's. <laughs> Bloobies. <laughs> oh, and to be honest, uh, she's not either. We we don't do any shopping, really. Like, we'd be down around Fifth Avenue, we'd throw the head in for 15 minutes, but uh, we'd be pretty active like when we're over there. We went to uh, down on Broadway, seen Hamilton, Lovely. Musical Lovers, great show. Went down to the basketball in Brooklyn, caught up with a couple of buddies out there. And no, it's a shop, but no. Did you do the Highline? Have you done the Highline in New York yet? Did the, we've done the Highline before, yeah. We were down in Chelsea for a bit of break there yeah, yesterday morning. <laughs> Seems like a long time ago already, but uh, no, we'd be out we do the sites. The weather was class. We've always been in New York around wintertime, but mm. bloody freezing, so... 
it was lovely this time, 16, 70 degrees. So we were out and about. We uh, we avoided the shops. It's expensive enough as it is, too. Yeah, the food is poor in New York, isn't it? Or in the States in general? Well, hold on a second now. I was looking. Do you see Paddy Andrew's Instagram today? The steakhouse he was in over the weekend. Uh, I suppose steakhouse, yeah. They they do a nice steak, but. Yes. Do you know what, lads? It's just anything they do, every portion is a monster. Breakfast, you can't just go for a little snack. Everything, you're wheeled out of places. So, uh, but ah, I I always thought the food was good, Jimmy. I have to say. I thought of where you carry lads were going. The dubs are in fine dining all the time. <laughs> we need a we need to do a pod We're in, in five New York. Guys for every meal. Five guys. <laughs> <laughs> Save a few quid there anyway. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. While while Paddy was beyond in the Big Apple enjoying himself as he rightly should be, James, what were you up to this weekend? Were you watching much football? I was. I There's a hell of a lot of sport on this weekend. Sport. The week. The week was some week of sport, wasn't it? Between yeah. the racing, the football, a little bit of soccer, unreal. Formula One? Well, Formula One. I'm I missed it. Back yeah. Bahrain. Yeah. I'm just watching that Drive to Survive. They have new series, aren't they? They do. They do. I haven't I haven't got through season two yet. I'm, I'm a little bit behind. They're after upping the viewership in the States by 40% off the back of that series. Incredible. Don't go, isn't it? 8 billion to 13 billion, the company. Wow. Insane. It just shows you what happens when you give something the right bit of love and coverage. Mm. But isn't that like so many people over here watch that show and then get into Formula One as opposed to the other yeah. way around? Nobody, it's like... I would also say that so many people who were in love with Formula One maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago, got back into it because they tried to survive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's hard to watch the full Grand Prix though. Yeah. I turned on actually in the final six laps, I'd say I turned it on in the last race of the season last year and got got the best bit of Formula One in the last 50 years that's <laughs> ever <laughs> done that. you never have to watch anymore again yeah it was pinnacle it's downhill yeah. from there really it no it's fun. not it's not like there was much happening in the football I'm going to get the results in a little while I'm going to run through our agenda <laughs> for the day there is one place that I want to start though and it's it's with a moment from the weekend and when you talk about Drive to Survive and, and a series like that capturing the attention and drawing in viewers I have to say that the fan footage of David Clifford's dummy is the type of thing that would drag me into a sport. Or a player like David Clifford is the type of transcendent character that we now have in the game that, I don't know, you could market a, a Netflix series of a fella like that. That is, not to put any more pressure on his shoulders already, but like, my God, talk to me about that dummy, James. Like that is, you, he, that would bamboozle any defender. And it's because he's ambidextrous. You don't know what way he's going to go. We should do that. The football pod does David Clifford. <laughs> Money-making machine. It feels but, like yeah. you do it every week anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's hard not to. No, to be fair, it was sumptuous bit of skill. Beautiful. And the, the thing that makes it possible, I think, is that his head is up the whole time. If, you're, you, if you have the ball and you're taking on your man and you have the head down, your man can kind of take a guess when you're going to take that play and when to kind of time the tackle. Whereas when your head is up, it's like he has way more to worry about because you might pass it, you might go around him, you might take a shot. You could do way more things with your head up. And if you look at Clifford, just as he's about to do the dummy, he shoots his head up at the post and just takes it back. I was just, it was just class bit of composure and so natural, nothing over-practiced or anything. But I'll throw a small spanner in the works. Like... We don't, you don't rate him. 
we don't <laughs> we don't see an awful lot of that, do we? Do you know? Mm. I'm just wondering. And I, I like kind of having a go at coaches every so often and saying, you know, is he really Im- improving fellas or whatever? Like, is that kind of stuff something that needs to be coached more? Because it was so nice to see that bit of class. It'll make you fall in love with football again just by watching it. But it's yeah. so rare at the moment. You know, it is a lot of kind of athleticism and hard work, but a little bit of skill like that can just unlock the door and open up the whole game. So know, James, he's... It's genius as well. Yeah, he's different. Like it's 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 his natural balance as well. Like like you say, he he looks like he has more time. Like like you're witnessing. There's not many players in our generation, never mind in the game right now, that can do what, what Clifford does. So it's it's kind of hard to say and challenge players. Go, how why are you not doing what Clifford does? And it's like <laughs> it's yeah, it no. is it is stunning to watch. And we've both been fortunate to play with some brilliant players and brilliant teams what he's doing now and we were just chatting off air a bit uh, beforehand that's his standard that's kind of running a mill for him literally every week and I know we kind of joke about it but there are moments in games where he does something that for 99% of the population are looking and going that is insane But, but that is his standard and I, I honestly don't think he's even caught top gear yet. This oh. And it, it, he is a player that if he does catch fire to his peak, I think you'll witness something that we've rarely seen in the game at all. He is that good. He could win an All-Ireland for Kerry on his own. There's not many players in today's game or over the last generation that could, could do that. But that's how good he is. But I, I do think you'll see it's so natural to him. His balance is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Six, 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 two. And how he has that balance at 6-2 is... Yeah, it's, um, he's kind of like a, uh, a freak in a, in, a good, in a good way, in a nice way, that it's very hard to coach players to the skill level and quality that he has because it's so innate in him. Um, but I think you're going to see it every week. There's going to be moments from Clifford. We've seen it to date in 2022, but just think about next weekend against Throne, whether he probably won't play. I'm sure we'll touch on that, what, what Kerry will do to qualify for the league final. But he he could come on for 50 minutes like he did against Donegal earlier in the league, and there'll be two or three clips out of that. Highlight reels. He is he is special. I hear you, Jimmy. A lot of it could be coaches and, and teams can get focused on the structural stuff. and, and uh, Can I ask you, know, you a question? Can I ask you, and Paddy, you might have missed this because you probably were on a flight, but the Hogan Cup <laughs> final was on Thursday. Um, oh, and Nace, right? Nace and Calair won it. They bet St. Brendan's, okay? Um, that's Clifford's alma mater, isn't it? Clifford's old school St. Brendan's, isn't it? The same. Yeah. But there's a moment, Paddy, and I'm going to shoot it over to you on WhatsApp now because I have a feeling you missed it, where Luke Crowley <laughs> is going down the sideline Nearly like a basketball crossover, but he does it from behind his back and he skins his man. James, you saw this, didn't you? First of all, that was the best game of football I've seen in about 10 years. It was incredible. It was incredible. They were all trying these. I think that that's actually why it was in my mind. They were all trying these bits of skill. It was so free. It was so... Oh, it was just off the cuff. It was brilliant. And a shout out to my club club mate, uh, Will Shine. He was playing 13 yes. for the time. He scored an outrageous goal. And four points. Oh, with the, with that was the, the one where he turned and put it into the top corner, wasn't it? Yeah, Smashing goal. It was absolutely brilliant. But that, that, um, that's Johnny Crowley's son, Crowley, that did the crossover. Ah. Yeah. Uh, so he has a bit of pedigree. 
but uh, it was a serious bit of skill as well. Send me this clip, Tommy. I just sent it to you there. His grandfather, Derry, I see here, also won a senior hurling county title. <laughs> and Luke is a serious hurler too. Just seeing Paul Jagobreen, Pat O'Brien responding to Marie Crow's tweet about it at the weekend. But it was just like a bit of magic, Paddy. Question, what happens after this? Does he score from this? Doesn't matter. Does Does it, I don't know. But you, you know what the, you know <laughs> the worst thing is? Traffic there. <laughs> so, so many people are complaining that he takes two bounces. Now, first of all, you're allowed oh. to because the ball isn't in control, right? But no, why would, like, that just sums up what happens in the GA. People complain about the most <laughs> ridiculous thing. Was it? Just on then James's point, his ultimate point. Can it be, can something like that be coached or Paddy, does it have to be facilitated? Uh, look, I, I think there's a, an environment. I don't think coaches around the country are going to start teaching that drill <laughs> at training uh, tomorrow night and Thursday night. But a coach can create an environment where players are allowed to express themselves. And I think a lot of coaches will say this go out and enjoy yourselves. They'll mm. only go to Solskjaer. Uh, gave up Mad United. That was the height of the tactics. But I, I think players, particularly at that age, this is, you know, schools football and underage football. You need to be able to try things. And not all of this stuff will come off. And if you do that in a senior inter-county game and it doesn't come off, um, you will be challenged about it by coaches and players. But particularly in underage, coaches, if they create the environment where where players are allowed to do this, I think that's what it's about. That's where you're going to hone it. They might, like I say, might not come off every time, but... James is right. When you, the underage games usually are way more free-flowing, yeah. more enjoyable. The scores are... It's just purer football than maybe what you'd get. It's not as intense, mm. obviously, or as physical as, as the senior game. And that's a brilliant aspect of GA as well. But I think if there's an environment in underage football to, to try these things uh, and players know that they're not going to be balled out of it by teachers or coaches, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, well, it, it was Nays 314, St. Brendan's 215. And just to mention, Kevin Cummins where, shot the lights out. Where, where's, yeah. the, where's the defence? Who, who, who cares? The full forward union here in the football pod. Kevin Cummins scored 2-5. Not to put any pressure on Kevin Cummins' shoulders, but David Clifford scored 2-5 in the 2016 Hogan Cup final. And his two goals were outrageous as well. The second one, he dinked the keeper, another Legion man. Aaron Gorgeous. Sullivan. But... Yeah. Um, that was all the lads in your living room there, Jimmy, and just giving them. We're <laughs> <laughs> all just off camera. <laughs> but, uh, James, what was your what, what was your go to? Oh, go on, go on, yeah, yeah. Just with coaching, yeah. You see, high speed meters and fitness and aerobic capacity and all that. There's so many many studies done on that, but I mean, it comes back to the skills. Like that has to be at the forefront of training, I think, and then it it transfers over, but it would make it so much more enjoyable if there, if it was more skills-based. But even if you think about it, right, if you start off a session now, you might have a meeting, then you have band work, and then your session is starting as soon as you go down the field. Whereas before, there'd be no meeting, there'd be no bands, and you'd be out in the field for 25, 30 minutes before the session kicked off. Do you know, you've half an hour of football practiced before you even throw the ball in a training. So it's just a little bit of a change in tack. I think that it's gone a lot more sciencey rather than the free-flowing kind of skill development. I think there's a, a, a happy medium that can be reached there with more skills. I think you're right. There is a happy medium somewhere. What was your go-to dummy? Oh, don't know who. I just kind of fumble it and uh, <laughs> pick it up. Oh, intentional dummy. What were you trying to do? Uh, I don't know. I had, I had a dummy solo in the locker. I didn't really have a dummy hop. Um, 
I had a dummy solo. That was about it, really. Yeah. Dummy solo with the left and to the right. Used to always yeah. kind of, because a lefty, everyone is shouting, get on his left, get yeah. on his left. Even if you could be way more right footed, but no one is shouting, get on his right, get on his right. It's just yeah. very yeah. obvious when you're left footed. Because you, you stand out. Paddy, what about yourself? I would always solo on my left foot. Even in normal, even if I'm not, I wasn't taking a guy on, just I know teams. What we would have looked at players, and particularly our defenders, would have been all over forwards' movements and dummies that they might have had or, or where they like to shoot from. So I would have always just consciously soloed on my left foot all the time. And then I wanted to shoot on my right and drag it back onto that. So you're trying to pull the defender in. But mm. that would have been... Was, was it coach? Probably wasn't really coach. No, it was just something I would have picked up myself. And it, I Did think, you do that on purpose? Like you went to solo with the yeah, left? Yeah. Even if I wasn't taking anyone on and I wasn't under pressure... Because, you know, when other teams are analysing you, they're looking at every possession you have. Like, and I'd yeah. always just have it on my left. Now, we could shoot on my left as well, but um, I'd always constantly try to bring a defender in there and I'm coming back onto my right. Um, and that was just... I, to be, I didn't do it when I was younger, really. I wouldn't have a lot of dummies when I was younger. And you're right, maybe it kind of it's coached out of you a bit, or yeah. the game just gets a lot quicker. You know, it's easier to get away with dummies and you have more space and Defenders probably buy them more easily in cl- at club level or <coughs> or in underage games. Whereas at senior level, you don't have a hell of a lot of time to be uh, yeah. to be thrown out two or three dummies and things like that. And that's why I think you see Clifford doing it at the highest level. It just stands out even. <laughs> and he, well, he he looks like he's playing in a club match. Yeah, he hasn't time, doesn't he? he like, yeah. it's, it's just like that goal against Galway, though. Is going to go against Galway last year in the league where he lets the ball roll across him and he just stops it with his with his feet. Like, you wouldn't see it in the Premier League. But, but you have to bear in mind as well, lads. Every team they play against, he's being picked up by their best defender. Their whole defensive structure is, is gearing up to how do we stop this guy? So it's not just he's doing it. Yeah. And, like, he's being focused on so much by the opposition and he's still doing it. You know, it's, it is incredible to watch. At there this was, level. There was a lot of chatter this week after the game about Clifford celebrating his goal and how this is something that isn't really done in the GA. You know, you remember Ronan O'Neill's dab a couple of years ago? <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, thought that was yeah. a bit of magic. Ronan O'Neill always brought a bit of that when he played, a bit of flair. You remember Andy Moran to the hill? He's done that a couple of times. But he regrets it, he says. Paddy Andrews, after he scored his one championship goal against Westmead, was laughing. I don't know what you were doing, Paddy. It was a bit like that, was it? <laughs> Donahue, you had an unbelievable celebration where you jumped on the ground like that after you scored against Dublin there's an amazing photograph uh, I think Kevin O'Brien is on the ground afterwards a big a big kind of punch okay. in the air Annie did you have any good celebrations odds? or do you think that forwards should be celebrating more one thing I've noticed is at home games in the league players celebrating into the terrace Tony Brosnan did it in Tralee uh, last week when he scored against Mayo should there be more of this there should, but do you see Clifford was wearing Darren Moynihan's jersey, which was a size extra small, where Clifford would be a large. So his number 10 jersey was up around his belly button for the celebrating the goal. No, I didn't notice that. I thought he was going to do a Lee Sharp when he put the the top over the head. Over to the corner flag. <laughs> yeah. He went with the flag, yeah. But no, I think celebrating is unreal. I think it's it's important because, w- first of all, go on, what are you saying, Tom? Oh, sorry, no, no, keep going, go on. No, I was just saying it, it gives you it gives you a lift because you're obviously buzzed up after a massive score and just that release of pressure and excitement that gives you a buzz. 
But your man seeing you do that as well is such a blow for him. Mm. He can see you lapping up what you've just done and he's going, oh, Jesus. Especially after a goal, three points. After after a goal, let the ball just be kicked out so we can get on to the next play. But it really highlights what's just happened. So mentally, it's a bit of a blow for the defender. Come here, there's a quote doing the rounds there and I'm, I'm just dragging it out here. Uh, I've way too Twitter, me- way too many Twitter mentions today, and I'll explain why in a minute. But uh, Kieran Donaghy pulled Dave Clifford aside when he first came on the scene, and he said, "Dave, celebrate your goals because uh, it's going to be oxygen not only for you but for the Kerry crowd as well. You're going to be our marquee player for years, so celebrate the goals because you get a bounce off the fans because of it." And I'm wondering, did he ever pull you aside and not tell you that? He did, yeah, he did. He did. He he had a big thing about that kind of the the championship extras, like bringing the crowd into the game. We kind of touched on it a bit last week, but it's massive. It's so important, especially for someone like a Clifford who is people are there to see him. Mm. Like, it's like the Ronaldo thing with United when he goes shoo, or you know the, the whole crowd are almost waiting for that. Like people are waiting for Clifford to do something, and when he does it, and he reacts to the crowd, like it's unreal. The atmosphere just goes through the roof. Yeah. But Danny was big into that, but he he'd enjoy the kind of like that the psychology side of it of both your team getting a, uh, a buzz, you personally getting it, the crow getting more involved, and your opposition marker getting cut by the knees over it. It's interesting. You know, it is powerful. Paddy, surely the dubs thrived on the noise coming out of the hill and use that to their advantage. <laughs> Uh, we probably went the other way to be honest we um, like there's no doubt about it like, I'm looking back and playing when Croker got going for us and we were on our own the hill was involved without a doubt we, we got more energy 100% but even when you're knackered in a game you just forget about everything else and you're just adrenaline for that 5 or 10 minutes and that was massively important for us in, in certain games where we just got momentum and we could blow teams away in that period. And the place is rocking. But it was funny. We, we, we kind of went the opposite. We went away from that completely. But we, we didn't celebrate at all. We would have kind of been seen focus on the next play, the next play, the next play, the next play. And our rationale was that if you do something really good, great. But you focus straight away on the next possession to compound that. To win the next ball and drill it down again. Um and it's nearly the exact opposite of what Donahue is saying there and what the lads are saying. I'm on the outside now and I'm a sports fan of all sports. You love when players are engaged with supporters, with the referee, with the opposition. It's more entertaining. There's no two ways about it. You, you love to see it. But when we were playing, we would have been very much focused, process. Don't get carried away whether you do good you scored a goal or you had a howl or you kick a bad wide or drop one short it's straight away being focused on the next play um, Are you surprised by that James? And no because I, I knew that was the case with the boys I I would have noticed it that yeah. everything was focused and next ball next ball we used to try and do that as well but when it came to goals it probably was different and points in big moments we did try and um you know, give it a fist bump to the crowd or something like that just to just to get an extra buzz off it. But I definitely noticed at the time that the dubs weren't doing that. But like do you know who used to do it? It was Kieran Whelan. He'd score, yeah. he'd do a play 
and give it large, do you know? And the crowd loved him and it, it used to be a massive moment of the game. But that's, we, if you look at it, we would have felt Dublin weren't as successful at that time. Yeah. But that, that, that we're kind of getting caught up in things away from things that weren't tangible to the game. That, that you're getting involved with referees, you're getting involved with opposition players, or you're getting involved with the crowd and you're losing that focus and that control. And it, it look, it's, it does kind of, and looking back, it sounds really boring in a way, but, but we felt that that was a really big advantage to us, that we were in the game mm. all the time. That when things were going mental around the stadium, subconsciously we were aware of it because you, you could not be, but we felt that other teams would get caught up in that. Whereas we were just like, we could see a, a opposition players maybe having a row with each other or getting involved with the ref or, or celebrating scores and we're just thinking okay that's one play that's one moment in this game what about the next 10 and that's we would always try to, and it's hard because it's not natural like you're we're fans first and foremost Even that's why you play the game and when you kick a score and I, I kick some big scores and I'd be inside I'd be like <laughs> <laughs> I'd be trying to put a face on it and I'd be like oh man I'd wave to the crowd here if we could the real Paddy Andrews oh, the wolf the wolf wanted totally. to whip off his top and oh, jump into totally, the hill totally against totally against crowd surfing I, I think I think it's so interesting, Paddy, because I think it, it, it's also coming off the back of an era where the dubs were so built up and they fell yeah, short so many times. So I would I'm, I would wonder that maybe that could have been an impact on it. That you you think in the middle of the hill in 06 or you think at the times where you know Pat Kilroy, as he put it, the start of Leerwigs, where you know the media built Dublin up. Dublin had played up to the media a little bit as well in those five or six years. Um, 100%. And you went completely the opposite way, James. You're about to jump in there, and I'm going to move on then after that. I was just saying that I think defensively you would have celebrated a bit. Like a, a big turnover, there would have definitely been a reaction among the boys at the back. Maybe that's yeah. because it's seen as less individual maybe than a forward doing it up front. Mm. Like kind of a, oh, I'm delighted for myself here, I just scored a point. Whereas if you do a turnover at the back, it's more of a, a team ethic kind yeah. of a, like a duty. But there was but definitely... Genuinely, uh, it, it, on that, like... It, it wouldn't have been, we would have been wanted to be like stone cold for the whole game. And when you're in these moments and these big games, yeah. emotional games, it's very hard to keep a lid on that all the time. But we, it is something we would have spoken about. And, and, and look, it's not just Dublin. You look at a lot of the teams and in a lot of the sports, that's the way it's going. That, that the kind of the personality around it, like, like we're having a conversation now. And trending on Twitter today because David Clifford celebrated scoring a goal. Yeah. That that shows you that this is like, whoa, this is not the normal thing that happens now. You know, Joe Schmidt, or one of Ireland's greatest rugby teams, was all processing down the line, all of those type of things. And, and when you're in the media or you're a supporter and you're a fan, you know, that is what you love to see from your players, from even the opponent, marquee players building up atmosphere, getting involved with the crowd. It's great to watch. Sport is entertainment at the end of the day. But when you're a player and you're in it, I think a lot of teams, not just in GAA, are focused on staying in the game, being ultra-focused and not getting excited. But it's good, I think it is. It's good to see someone like Clifford. And, and here at different angles, because it, it, it might work for certain players yes. or certain teams, and it might totally not work for other players and other teams so there's no right or wrong 
but it's it's interesting to hear different takes on it. Yeah. Do you know what would be good? If there was a 30-second break after a goal to give everyone a chance to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> the keeper couldn't take a kick out. The whole lot. Yeah, he can't take it for 30 seconds and then everyone back again. All right, next <laughs> next play. <laughs> I love that. Have the World Cup or something. Yeah, I, like, we would all love that. That would be nice to see. Yeah. Probably not going to happen, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was a, a nice segue, lads. Um, before we get into a few more of the matches... I have something that I want to give out about. And I hope to God that by the time most people get listening to this podcast, it's been sorted. But this coming weekend, there is a sensational weekend of football ahead. 26 out of 32 teams have something to play for, which is just remarkable. The only pity is, is that it's the fourth weekend of March. So one of the most important weekends of the year is going to be essentially over this weekend. Now, in saying that, every single Division 1 game is on at the same time. Every single Division 2 game is on at the same time. Every team in Division 3 has something to play for. And each one of their games is on at the same time. However, in Division 4, where four teams essentially can get promoted, Cavan are in prime position, Tipperary are, are pretty well stocked, the games are all on at different times. And already at this stage, the GA have already moved, made one move, but it still hasn't alleviated the situation. I'll lay it out for you in case you aren't aware of it. Basically... Cavan are on 10 points. Tipperary are just behind them. Leitrim and Sligo are on the same points just behind them. All four teams can go up. Cavan, if they win their game, guaranteed promotion. Tipperary, if they win they, their game, are guaranteed promotion. But a tip happen to draw or lose to London, or if Cavan happened to draw, the winners of Leitrim and Sligo will end up getting promoted to Division 3. However, at the minute, Tipperary and London is fixed for Saturday evening at 7 o'clock. Which would mean that the res- if, say, Tip win, the results the following day between Sligo and Leitrim, a local derby in Markovich Park, you can imagine how many games are going to matter for those two counties for the rest of the year. They're going in to play championship football. They may get one game in Connacht and then they're into the Talchon Cup and who knows how that's going to go. But this is one of their biggest games of the year to get promotion after a league campaign playing in the worst weather imaginable in the last four or five weeks. And their match might not matter. It may be a dead rubber because of the way that the fixtures have been set. Am I right to be insensitive about this? I can't get my head around it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think this... It, the question is, is it because it's Division 4 that this is being done, which is, which is completely wrong? And it's disrespectful to all the teams. All the games have to be on at the exact same time. So that everyone has the same chance of getting the reward at the end of the day. Because having some games on the Saturday, some games on the Sunday, just throws everything up in the air. It's just completely wrong. And I was on the other side, not on the other side, but I was actually involved in a situation like that in the in the Super 8s in 18. We played Kildare at home. Hmm. And Monaghan were playing Galway. And we needed Galway to beat Monaghan. And us to be Kildare to go through. And at the start of the game, the crowd was absolutely electric in Killarney. It was our home game. And I think maybe Monaghan were home to go. I can't remember now. But the game was electric. And if Galway won, they would have had a handier semi-final. They would have got to the All-Ireland final. But anyway, they ended up losing. But at halftime, Monaghan were ahead. And the atmosphere was just completely 
punctured ten minutes into the into the game. And I, I was thinking afterwards, imagine if those games did throw in at different times. If the Kerry Kildare game was on an hour later, there would have been no atmosphere from the very start. It would have been a dead rubber. It would have been it would have been ridiculous. So I can see both both atmospheres. You either have an unbelievable occasion or you have an absolute disaster. Do you know which could happen? If Tip win in London, then they're going up and the hmm. other game doesn't matter. So I think and, it has and no to harm, change. I think no harm, way- James. You had the chance to play and you were lucky. You had the chance to play in a lot of games, I'm sure, with a really, really good atmosphere. I'm not sure how many opportunities yeah. footballers in Division 4 are going to get to play a match that matters that much with, you know, supporters baying for something to happen. But what I can't understand is what's the, the reasoning behind it? What's the thought process? I just, because even, even if you think worst case scenario, it's about money. If it was about money, they'd have them at the same time because there's something to play for. So I just don't understand how they've come to that decision. I, I don't know. I wonder, is it that, you know, with flights or something? Is it cheaper for London to be there on the Saturday and to fly home early on the Sunday? I have no idea what it is. I've reached out to London for comment and I haven't heard that in back. If we hear before the end of the pod, I, I, I will read it out. But Paddy, like, it just... Where London at home, Tom? It's, sorry, it's in Temple. It's in Tip. It's in it? Tipperary. Yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, lads, it, it's the integrity of the competition again. Mm. Like, the National League, how many times do we say it? It is, over the last decade... The players prefer this competition. Supporters love it because it's games every week and it's competitive games across all four divisions. Games that matter every week. And whether we like it or not, whether the Talton Cup is a success or not, for the majority of teams that play senior inter-county football, the championship is, is not a realistic goal or ambition for them. They're not going to win the Sam Maguire. Whereas when it's the National League, Every team has a goal and a purpose at the start of the season. And a lot of teams will base the success or failure of the season upon how their league campaign goes. Yeah. We had last year the whole country baying for a Dublin and Kerry National League final and the GAA just didn't play a league final. And it seems to be the only people in the room that don't understand the value and importance of the National League are the GAA themselves. You look at the crowds across all four divisions, and you're right, Tommy, the most catastrophic weather over the last six weeks. And the places are packed out because these games are brilliant games. They're competitive across the divisions, whether it's Division 1, or 2, 3, or 4. For the integrity of the competition, the games need to be at the same time. But also, just for the players, again, you're exactly right. This is a massive game and will arguably be the biggest game of the season for Leitrim and Sligo. Are they going to win the Sam Maguire? They're probably not. I don't think we're going to be strung up for saying something like that. The realistic thing is, we know Andy well, obviously, to go in there, for them to get promoted to Division 3, or for Tony McAtee with the work he's doing, that is a massive achievement for those teams and for those supporters. And they're just being disregarded again. And it's like, who, who's making the calls here? Like, who's in the room when the GA decide this and go... We're not really arsed about that. We didn't even think about it. It crossed our mind that this may be completely off the wall to do this and disregard that whole division, never mind the players involved, on what will be an amazing game. The weather's good at the weekend. Mm. Two teams potentially getting promoted. and Local derby, yeah. Oh, now- um, unbelievable. I, I, I assume, 
that just the mood around the coverage around us that this will be changed <sighs> and I think it really really should be you'd, uh, you'd hope so Paddy but already this evening just about an hour ago uh, I've just checked the GA website and fixtures are up they've already made some changes First, originally three of the games were on Sunday they've now moved Carlo Wexford which doesn't matter it's one of the games that doesn't matter this weekend to 2 o'clock on Saturday they've moved Cavan um, and Waterford to I think 5 o'clock on, on Saturday and then Tip London is still 7 o'clock on Saturday now they can't actually move Sligo Leitrim to the same time on Saturday because I know that there aren't floodlights in Markovic Park so they can't actually have it on in the evening uh, at the same time as Tip so unless they put Tip London to Sunday and if there's cost issues accommodate the London footballers uh, sort them out the scheduling wasn't their fault sort that out but for the integrity as you said Paddy the integrity of the competition for the competitiveness for the players themselves for them to all have a fair crack at it every game this weekend should be on at the same time yeah, I think that's all I thought it was a rule the last game has to be on the same time. But you remember when City won the league with the most iconic Aguero goal? Like, do, yeah. The mo- <laughs> yeah, well, I remember too. But like Wayne Rooney and, the, you know, after United beat Sunderland and those shots of Ferguson, that wouldn't have happened. That's one of the most iconic moments in Premier League history. And these players could have some dramatic, crazy, last-minute winner or something mad will happen. It's the National League. So yeah. There's going to be chaos. And it, we're being deprived of it. So it's just such a pity. And hopefully... It's sorted out this week because I I don't think the GA are intentionally doing it. I think it may have just been clunkily organised eight weeks ago. Well, hopefully, just go sort it out, please. Anyways, let's get into the results. We'll take a quick ad break and we'll come back talking a bit of the dubs. Paddy is on his last legs already. He was on a flight this morning, overnight from New York City. He did his bike ski row at 6am. He was into work. He has a full day. It's done. Myself and James are going all right, so we might stay on a little later if Paddy drops out. I'm only joking. So, Division 1 this weekend... We'll get did analysis in a few minutes. Tyrone 11 points, Mayo 9 points. That was a bit of a weird game. We'll come back to it. Armagh 13 points, Kerry won 13. Kildare scored 24 points against Monaghan. A very, very dour performance from Monaghan, you could say. Flat performance. Jimmy Highlands kicked 8 points this weekend. Kildare 24, Monaghan won 12. Dublin 2.15, Donegal 2.11. We're going to preview some of the games a little later and talk about some of the relegation contenders and the promotion contenders across the leagues. But that is the results in the weekend. In Division 2, I was in Ennis. I saw Mead beat Clare, 10 points to 9. It was not the greatest game of football, I'll put it that way. Uh, both teams cancelled each other out. Mead were very lucky to get the win, but a win's a win and they'll take it. Um, the Clare keeper got caught in possession in injury time and Mead broke to score a point. Uh, could have gone either way though, that game. Roscommon hammered awfully, 218 to 13 points. Cork bet down 116 to 112. James, I know you had it at your eye on that. We might have a mention for that relegation playoff a little later because that could go either way between Cork and Offaly. Down or relegated and the winners of Cork and Offaly essentially stay up. Unless Clare happened to draw with down and points difference come into play and the, the other two draws well and they all end up, end up on four points. It would take a freak for Clare to go down. So it seems at the minute that down or relegated to Division 3 and Cork or Offaly, the losers of that game are going to join them. And then, Paddy, the game that you've had your eye on for about eight weeks... Up and Owen yeah. Beg. Derry 12 points, Galway 4-11. There was about four red cards in this game. There was four goals. Um, Derry won the toss, opted to go against the wind. And by half time, I think it was 3-8 to... What was it at half time? It could have been 3-8 to six points maybe at half time. 3-8 to four points. Game over. Um, so Derry without Shane McGuigan. Questions to be asked, I think, on both sides. Are we underestimating Galway? Are we overestimating Derry? Remains to be seen. Uh, Division 3 Go on Paddy Do you want to jump in there? Uh, 
I was impressed. With, you're right. I, I was looking forward to that game because we've kind of been tracking Derry's progress mm. from season one of the football pod. <laughs> yeah. Rory Gallagher and the work that's going on there. And they started to train like a house on fire as well. And that was a big game for them. That was a big game that if they beat Galway there, that they're, they're more or less promoted themselves. Mm. And yes, like the Shane McGuigan thing, and we touched on that last week, yeah. should not have been suspended for that game. <laughs> Probably would have kicked the winner the week before and they would have had, had a bit of a buffer to Ross Common. Whereas that moment now, particularly after the result on, on, at the weekend, that could cost them promotion. It's a fine line. Just, it won't just be that, but, but, but mm. that, it was a big moment of their season. But, but Galway were by far the better team at the weekend. Without and Shane Walsh. Without Shane Walsh themselves, obviously. But it was something we, if you look at Matty Tierney's goal, I mm-hmm. loved it. Mm-hmm. It was something Galway always have good players. And this is we, the Keane O'Neill factor coming in. They look a bit fitter. They look a bit hungrier. They're obviously hurt from last season, but they lose on the last day of the National League last year, get relegated up in Clonus in a game they never should have lost. They had a bad Connor final. They look like they have an edge to this year. And you see Comer and Paul Conroy getting that turnover, getting it across the tyranny. That was, that's a brilliant, brilliant goal. And it's not the type of score Galway you would associate with them or have associated with them. That's hard work. That's fitness. That's aggression and energy and when you, so when you add that to what they already have which is really talented players they've been a really impressive team today at the National League yes it's Division 2 but they have steamrolled that and yeah. that was that was a statement victory at the weekend to go up to Derry and, and to beat them as convincingly as they did they're promoted they're into Division 1 and they are all guns blazing for the Connacht Championships they, they've been really impressive here today Colin yeah no definitely um and we'll be talking much more about them as well because once the league finals are played, it's three weeks to Mayo go away. So that is going to be one of the first yeah. big games in the championship. So we'll be all keeping an eye on that. Paddy or Maddie Tierney was outstanding. It was says his, the uh, man. Says the man who had him in his fantasy Gaelic team. I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I am the best fantasy player on this on this podcast. I obviously on this pod, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Your competitions are too hard. Yeah. But as well with Comer, Comer is so strong. Mm. That if he gets you in a tackle there as a full back to line player, you must be so nervous that you're going to be turned over because there's no way out. He just wraps he wraps the hands around you like a bear. And Rogers is a very good ball carrier, but he just could not get out for he's that tyranny goal. He's a big guy himself, yeah. Yeah, but he just couldn't get out. I think that's something that, that Comer looks like he's worked on and he can get a couple of turnovers this year. Yeah, definitely. But Mayo Mayo must have a big Mayo must have a big eye on Galway. They must be seriously worried we, about what they're doing. We are going to get to Mayo. Don't you worry. We're going to get to Mayo. Hold on. Hold hold your horses. Division 3. All eight teams have something to play for this weekend. The drama is going to be there. Five teams can get promoted. Three teams out of two. Two out of three teams will get relegated. Um, Wicklow bet Longford. 20 points to 213. That was a bit of a shock. Wicklow lost their manager a couple of weeks ago. Uh, have a new management team in. Longford lost Mickey Quinn and I think another player laid on at the weekend so they were missing them. 213 to 20 points. Top of the table, loud bet Antrim, one twelve to one eight. I we got a message on Instagram on the football pod, at football pod underscore ga the last day. Keen Shorten message in about two weeks ago and said, "Is Tommy related to Samuel Roy?" I thought that was a bit harsh, but I just got to say, Samuel Roy's shooting this year has been utterly sensational. Fifty four percent was the the stat on the Sunday game that they threw at the weekend. He scored fifty four percent of his team's total. 
First game, seven points out of 110. Second game, one three out of one six, including a 60 yard free to equalize it, maybe 55 yards. Third game, eight points out of 114. Next game, 10 points out of 115. The week after that, one six out of 212. And then at the weekend, against Antrim, top of the table clash, one nine out of 112. Savage gun. Um, he's playing West, 11, but he's not even playing inside. He's kicking a freeze, he's playing 11, added a lot more to his game now in the last two years. Yeah. His, his club manager, Last year was Jimmy McGuinness and his county manager was Mickey Hart. So, Whoa. you know, he's he's obviously been picking up a few bits and pieces. Limerick bet leash. That was a game that could have gone both ways on Saturday night. And Westmead for Mana. I'm not sure if you saw it. Yeah. Westmead for Mana. It was uh, 1 9 to 12 points. 20 minutes gone in the second half, maybe 15 minutes to go. Sean Quigley. Again, people are giving out saying he took steps. I don't think he took steps. I think he was fouled breaking out of the tackle. Sean Quigley takes a, sh- a shot that, to my eyes, from the cameras on the side of the pitch, goes over the black spot, and the umpires wave it wide. And Fermanagh, instead of going two points clear, don't get a point, draw the game, and now Fermanagh essentially don't really have a chance of going up. Like, anything can happen, but they're, they're kind of the, of the five teams that can go up there in the, the worst position. Then in Division 4, um, the results... London nearly caught Cavan on Saturday evening. London 2-11, Cavan 1-15, Cavan won by a point. Waterford have been very unlucky throughout this league campaign. They haven't won a game. They nearly caught Sligo, lost by a point, 1-11 to 15 points. Leitrim, big win against Wexford, 3-9 to 1-11. And Tipperary hammered Carlow, 2-16 to 11 points. So there are the results. I've set the table. 26 teams have something to play for this weekend. You're listening to episode 9 of the Football Pod with Paddy Anders and James Dunhu. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, please do. We have our own specific podcast feed. Just search for the football pod and you'll get it. You'll also get us in the OTB GA feed where you'll get all the other GA content from off the ball across the week, including the hurling pod. We're going to be back right after these talking a bit more football. You are very welcome back to the football pod with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue. We're still going here. We haven't even started talking about the football yet, boys. And we're a long way into this week's podcast. I think that's a sign of a good podcast, I'll be honest. Maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. Right, let's get in with the dubs. They are Can back I say one in. thing, Tommy, before we get into the football, right? Okay. It's another shout-out here, I feel. Look, it is, let's see. I have, right? I'm after borrowing the birds. Um, the birds. Give her a proper name. Christina's diary <laughs> thingy here. That diary was like a... Are you sure you should be reading that? No, well, after this, I shouldn't. Okay, James, go on. Tell us what you want to tell us. I have my notes. I just flicked over the last page, right? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry I hit your car trying to park. (laughs) (laughs) No! That's how she tells you. Is this what's reasonable? Can't you leave a little note in someone's car? And either she's bottled it and not done it, or she's gone for a second attempt. But either way, she crashed the car. (laughs) That that is amazing. That is you amazing. Are just so bad, the burner. I honestly, I have no idea. Uh, no, the guards idea. are going to be rigging the football pod next weekend. <laughs> Gee, you've landed already, Tommy. You have to edit this out for. Her. No, that's magic. She can. Christina can come on next week and explain herself. Yeah, she <laughs> needs a, a right to defend herself. I think you've absolutely trod under the bus. <laughs> anyway, okay. Sorry, back to the football. Sorry. Back to the football. The Dubs are back in the groove. They really looked at home in Crow Park at the weekend. You know, Brian Howard kicking spinners from 50 yards out. Gorgeous points that we haven't seen so far. Niall Scully went from goal for nearly 60 yards. He really looked good. He took that goal so well. Fenton was bossing the game once more. Kieran Kilkenny had a good battle with Brendan McCole. Mm. Mick Fitz 
didn't get a nosebleed, won that penalty, took it very well. And Macker, James Mack was back. Talk to me, Paddy. You must have enjoyed watching those highlights. Um, they carried on from from what we seen in Almond a week before. Um, it was a, it was a, another positive performance. I think the biggest change, and, and we kind of said it with, with the win in Almond as well. It wasn't necessarily just players coming back. It was just an energy in how they played. It wasn't just the personnel. Yes, James McCarthy's obviously a massive influence to come back. We touched on the importance of, of, of Fitzsimons and Johnny Cooper coming into that defensive structure after a really kind of really poor start in the National League. That If you think back to last month, that, that opening night against their mat, they've come on leaps and bounds from there. It's still not anything to get carried away from. They still have a relegation game this Sunday up in Clownus against, against Monaghan. So it hasn't been a perfect league campaign, but what we've seen over the last two weeks is an energy and a decisiveness back in Dublin's play. Definitely. Um, and, and, and you know what? It may, may seem funny for a team that, that, that had won six honours in a row. There's confidence in their play again. Because when we seen, you look at nearly ground zero in Newbridge, losing that game and the manner in which they lost it and the, the body language and the, just there was Dublin were at a low point at that. They'd lost four games on the spin, a position none of those players, as experienced as they are, had ever been in before. And you could see, you could see they were low on confidence. And to turn it around, the win at Oma was massive. And it wasn't perfect up there either. But that first half display was what you would associate with Dublin at their best. Energy, decisiveness in their attack. Guys like Fitzsimons and Davy Byrne flying back up the pitch. Brian Fenton getting back to his best. That was kind of what went under the radar, I feel, in the first two or three games of the National League. That yes, there was loads of new players getting chances. Desi was trying to find players and he needs to do that still. But Dublin's key players probably weren't played as well either. You know, you went nearly three, four years with without Fenton or, or Kilkenny or Dean Rock or any of these guys having a bad game. It was incredible consistency at incredibly high levels. So that was an issue at the start of the National League as well for Dublin. And you can see over the last number of weeks as the weather's getting better and we're edging towards summer that these players nearly look like different players. You're right. I, I think Scully, Howard, Fenton over the last couple of weeks, they've had some of their best games. But just the energy and work rate across the pitch with Dublin. It may sound boring and it may sound basic, but it, it allows them to play on the front foot. And when Dublin are like that, particularly in Crow Park, they are a massive danger to, to, to the other teams. They haven't gone away. The mm. one caveat I'd say with it, if you look at, at, we'd say it all through the National League from the start of this season, Desi needs to find players. Needs to bring in guys that can complement that squad because there's been basically a, probably a third of the panel gone in the last two years. I don't think he's really unearthed anyone brand new. I think if Dublin are going to win the All-Ireland, it will probably not be too dissimilar a first 15 than what we would have seen over the last three or four years. That withstanding, if those guys are at their best, I still think they're the best team in the country. If Dublin have their best 15 players on the pitch and they're playing well, they are still, I would, for my money, the best team. But the depth probably hasn't been unearthed, mm. I feel. A couple of guys, Lee Gannon, Key Murphy, Tabla Hiff is a bit more established now as well. But there's nobody there that I'm seeing from the first now six games that are saying, you have to play me in the championship. Yeah, yeah. 
and, and that's ideally like ideal scenario. You would have looked for maybe two or three of those guys, but there's no there's no doubt about it that Dublin's key players are back from injury. They're back playing well, and there's a confidence back in their play, resulting from that win in Oba, and. They're going to be confident going up to Clonus. It's funny. We're at Monaghan. Is it, in, is it going to be in Clonus? Or are they going to put it in Inneskeen? If I was Monaghan, I'd bring it to Inneskeen. No, we, we, we always... I don't bring oh, it's Clonus. It is Clonus. We, we always yeah. went to Clonus. For Monaghan, they were in this exact same situation last year. Home yeah. match against Galway to stay in the division. They pulled it out of the bag. Monaghan has been such an anomaly in the National League so far. Really impressed with them with their win in Bally Buffet the week before. A team with know-how, experience, don't give anything easy. And then they go to Newbridge and are completely played off the park. So you're kind of Jekyll and Hyde. What Monaghan are going to turn up with Clonus and the field are going to be right up, right at it on, on Sunday. But I, I think that is the makings of a brilliant game. Winner takes all. This is what we're talking about, the National League. This is why players love it, fans love it. There's going to be a massive crowd. Dublin are back. Bit of swagger in their play. It's going to be great to watch that one. But yeah, it's a positive couple of weeks for Desi and the team. This is the most animated we've seen Paddy Andrews since before the All-Ireland semi-final last August, folks. So <laughs> take pleasure in it. James, you made a very interesting point a couple of weeks ago where you said you questioned whether... You said the likes of McCarthy and Con needed a couple of league games under their belt. Now, this is rumours. Anthony Moyles suggested that he had heard that Con had a reoccurrence of an injury. I have no idea whether that's true. I'm, we just haven't seen him yet. Um, so I don't know whether there's been a setback there for Conor Callaghan. James McCarthy was back at the weekend, James. He played 72 minutes. He looked like he'd never been away. So Owen Merchant came off the bench and got 22 minutes as well. So did you, do you feel like your point still stands? I do. There's a big difference between playing a National League game in March and playing mm. Championship in July like like my from my point of view you need a base built up to hit your top form James McCarthy could go in and hold his own if he stayed in bed for six months because just the type of athlete he is the type of player he is but to get to his nine out of ten every week level in championship I just think you need those four or five games base and as a corner forward in Khan, I would say even more so because it's more of a sharpness issue inside where when you're not sharp and the ball's being kicked in, sometimes you, you see three balls coming at you, do you know, or like... You, <laughs> That's you, just you after Prague, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, look, Prague is forgotten. It's behind the... <laughs> I know it's forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> but no, with um, with Khan, it's like if... If you're sharp, you can you can get that shot off. You can sell that dummy. Whereas if you're not as an inside forward, you mightn't you mightn't get those rewards. That's that was my point there. Yes, I think I think and Paddy, you kind of said that you still think Dublin might have the best fifteen. I disagree, mm-hmm. but I think without Khan, they definitely would be would be short. I think I think. Oh yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I yeah. Khan is a massive part of that. He yeah. is. If they get Khan back to 90% of his level, then okay. they will 100% challenge. But without him, I don't think they're going to be, I don't think they're there yet. Yeah, you know? and I think I think you're right. I think Clonus is going to be really, really interesting this weekend, Paddy, so we'll be keeping a keen eye on that. Am I allowed to say that I liked some of what I saw from Donegal at the weekend? You are. Even though they lost, even though they're a good few points behind, I, I really enjoyed seeing 
Like, McHugh's ball in to Murphy. Yeah. Loved a bit of that. I loved seeing Paddy McBrearty, a little bit of a swagger back. McHugh had probably his best game of the league so far. Crow Park definitely suits him. And bear in mind, they're missing Thompson and Langan, who we know are so yeah. important to them as well. It's been... It's been a disappointing league for Donegal that there's okay that the second half performance against Tyrone was was <laughs> an obvious highlight, but apart from that, there hasn't been much highlights for them. They play Armagh at the weekend, Armagh are trying, Armagh kind of set off like a house on fire at the start of the season. Armagh will be going to win that to get to a league final. I think it'll be massive for their development if they do that, but. Again, Donegal, you don't know what to expect from that in- inconsistency, but they could be relegated on Sunday and then they're going into the Ulster Championship thinking, where are they really at now? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they couldn't have many complaints if they were relegated. Yes, there were some more positives. There's no coincidence that when Murphy is back, he's such an influence on the team. Playing a bit closer to goal, which is a massive thing as well. Um but there's always going to be that balance in the mouth out the field because he's so important out there as well. But look, if Donegal are going to do anything, that nearly holy trinity of players for them, of Murphy, McHugh and McBrady, have to be firing on all cylinders. And they haven't really done that at any stage this season. No, McHugh has been probably taken out of games a bit easier. They're trying to find positions for him. Where can he be an influence on the game? McBrady can go through phases where he's... You know, he's not getting into the game at all and then he can mm. just turn it on like he did a couple of times at Crow Park on Sunday and a couple of times in the win over Tyrone. And Murphy's injury record, he's starting to get injured a little bit more often as the miles start coming up the clock. If Donegal are going to do anything, those three guys need to be at the forefront of everything they do, supplemented by the O'Donnells and Langan and Thompson and these guys as well but they're still the three key players so it's no coincidence when there's something positive from Donegal it's usually built around those three guys definitely but they haven't been consistent and when they're not consistent that Donegal are definitely not consistent. Yeah, I agree. And I, do, I just I just liked a few little bits. So we'll keep an eye on Donegal and maybe they'll offer something in Ulster that uh, we're, we're kind of sleeping on a little bit. Owen Sheehan made the point this morning on OTBAM that the game is in Letterkenny, whereas Donegal, apart from the Monaghan defeat earlier this year, had gone 12 years unbeaten in Bally Buffet in league. They had also gone 10 years unbeaten, I think, in championship from 2010 up until recently. So he was saying they should get the game moved if they want to. James, do you want to jump in quickly before we move on to Kerry Armagh? Yeah, just one thing on McBrearty. Mm. I think he was awesome the weekend, in fairness to him. Yeah, he was. And what he's had this year is those five or six games in a row where he's been left on for the entire match. He's kicked his points and he's kind of gotten better with every game. And that playing well in Crow Park against Dublin will give him a serious boost because he was questioned. You know, they were saying, you know, Murphy's gone, McBrearty's not playing great, maybe McHugh's not playing great. But in fairness to McBrearty, he stood up in every game and kicked kicked his yep. points, tried to leave the line, and he kicked some great scores. He gave Fitzsimons a good run around the last day. I know the goal was lucky, but just in general, I thought he was well able to get his shots off without a problem. I thought he looked really sharp. Yeah. And just on, on Murphy, Murphy's going to have to play, play inside. God, because even when McBrearty got a couple of balls, he looked for him. And he gave it. He actually got a lovely one too often for a score at one stage. But it was like McBrady finally had someone there with him yeah. to, to kind of share the burden. And it was, it was nice to see the relationship they had. But for Murphy, I think he has to tap into the mentality. I don't think he likes this. He has to see or say, how good can I be off 12 possessions? 
Yeah. He wants to be a 30 position man. He wants to run the game. But I think that he has to flip it. He has to go, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to be quiet here for 10 minutes. But when I get it, I have to set up Paddy McBearty or get a score, win a free, 12 possessions, just get those right, and it'll be massive for Donegal. But, but isn't it, that comes to the coaches as well, though, James. Mm. That comes to Declan Banner and the manager team as well. Go, what do we want from uh, We touched on it with McGeady and, and Ray O'Neill earlier in the league. Murphy is a dominant figure in the GAA, and, and you're right. He will want to be in the. He's a leader. You can see, and he's been captain for years. He's their best player. If things are going against Donegal this weekend against Armagh, and he's standing on the edge of the square, the temptation is always there for him to go out and say, "Just my personal, I'm going to get on the ball here," or for Declan Bonner to say, "Get out around the middle, win kickouts," but it's a discipline to say. You getting five possessions out around the middle and keeping the ball or winning a free or anything, or staying inside for one, and we get a goal off that. Yeah. That that needs it needs the player and the coaches to take that risk because there's not many players that can do both. That can be so influential out at midfield and inside. Murphy's one of them, and it's it's ballsy to. Yeah, you're right. Probably take him out of the game for for long periods, and when you're up against it, the temptation to bring him out. But you're right. I I, I agree with you on this. With Ray O'Neill, it's slightly different. But with Murphy, I think what he him and McBurty can do inside is it's probably worth the risk. That could win. That could win them big games. Yeah, mm. I'd love love to see that in the summer. Love to see Murphy have a year at full forward where he just proves that he should have been there all the time. I think it's his call to go out a lot of the time. That's the thing. I don't think yeah. I can be forced out. I think that he wants to be, as Paddy said, he wants to be that leader, get us up the field. But if you see for the goal he got, it was just two simple kicks. Just a kick to McHugh, and McHugh left in outside the right, and suddenly he was in the back of the net. Well, shades, shades of 12. Shades of, McHugh, shades of 12. McHugh was yeah. not kicking that ball if it's that. anyone else in there. So, no, so, so he's not. being in there makes the decision for the players out the pitch as well. Yeah. There's no way Ryan McHugh is kicking that ball if it's anyone other than Michael Murphy. I feel like Thompson would be able to lay on. Thompson's a fine has a fine range on yeah. his kicking and his and his passing. I think there maybe were mass, missing a couple of kickers because Murphy did spend quite a bit of time in the first half in there. There wasn't a huge amount of ball going in. Going to move on quickly, lads. We're going to briefly touch on Kerry here. Last week we were raving about Tony Brosnan, rightfully so. We had a serious game intrally against uh, against Mayo. This week Jack Savage caught the eye, kicked five points, James. He did. Player that has been on the scene for a couple of years in Kerry. Jacko's brought him back in. Um, very talented footballer. Is he? You played him? Off, had a, you played with him? Had a, lo- had a lovely round of Clarity last summer, yeah. Did you? Crack. I did. I did. Instagram, did. Instagram, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Savo. <laughs> did he take a few pounds off you? He, he did, yeah. Steak, yeah. I got him back I this did. summer if I'm down, yeah. What's he, he like as a footballer? What's he like as a footballer, James? He's excellent. He is. He is excellent. He's been unlucky in his career so far. He's 26, so he's been around a bit. He's kind of seen it, um, and now he's back in. If you tap into his psyche, he kind of lost it all. He was he was off the panel, and now he's been given this second, you know, second chance. So he is really you now. He has really turned it on since he's been back in there. Um, like he's he's from Kerns or He took him to the county final last year. They lost to, lost to Stacks eventually, uh, lost to Donaghy. Uh, he played with MTU to college. 
um, had a good good season with them. Um, but he's been around the inter-county scene before, that's the thing. And he's actually, right, if you look at him, he's the soundest man you could meet. He's just great crack, always smiling, always laughing, always joking. Great fella to be around. Always good fun at training, outside of training. And on the field, he is a dog. Really? <laughs> he just, he has two personalities. He's cocky, he's cranky, he's ratty, he's aggressive on the field. Like, if you put the two sides of that person, like, you wouldn't think it. So I love seeing that. I just think he brings a personality onto the field and he really does, he really does embrace that side of it. Um, but That's he, interesting to hear. And you would see that as a positive. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. But what's he going to do? Go onto the field laughing and joking? <laughs> Smiling. Oh, mm. Yeah, but he, he, he really does embrace the, just the kind of nasty side in a way. You know, even verbally, he can be, he can, you know, teeter on the edge of it at, at, at times. Yeah. But he had an unbelievable year in 17 with us and he played in the league final against Dublin. We, the one that, the Kerry won, it was 20 points, I think, to one, 15 or 16. Hmm. I think Connolly got sent off actually that day. But did, yeah, uh, yeah. Dado's free at the end, yeah, I remember. Yeah. The post. yeah. And you boys celebrated that league final win. Oh, uh, we, we yeah, were, there's, there's the celebration things coming in, yeah. It <laughs> won't be all Ireland that year. <laughs> it's all about the league. It's the showpiece uh, <laughs> tournament. We've just been on it. But I, no, agree, he had a great, I agree. He had a great um he had a great day that day. He was playing some serious football. He was playing corner forward coming out or I was playing centre forward and he was running games. Okay. And then in eighteen he was the same and he was the best player inside in training with us in eighteen. And he got um he what you call it, is it rupture appendix or what you ah, say? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he had to get him out and he went from probably 78 or 79 kg, I'd say down to about 60, 68 or nine. Do you know, Jesus. it was yeah. just, uh, it was such a disappointing blow from just before the first round of the, of the month's championship against Cork. And he actually, I don't think he played after that. Um, so he's been around, he's been like a well-respected member of the panel, an excellent player, brilliant mm. player in Kerry for a long time. Absolutely lovely fella, great crack. And the whole county is rooting for him to do well this year. That's very interesting because it seems like every week we're talking about a new Kerry forward. So if I was asking now, James, Kerry are in the league final. They've had a very good campaign. Um, obviously, drew the first game, have won the rest. If you were to pick your Kerry front six right now for the heat of championship, for the height of summer, what would your Kerry front six be if everyone was fit? And who would your who would your three subs? I give you three subs to bring in. Tell me why you'd bring them in and who they'd be. Well, I won't pick the team, but what I will say is what the argument is for everyone, right? The way the Jack is playing this year, he's playing 10 and 12 supporting the defence. Mm-hmm. That allows Morley to drop back in front of Jason Foley, Tom Sullivan. So it's all, that, that position is pretty much sewn up between Adrian Splann and Darren Meinhen. I think they will, they will start. Do you know, like whether you're saying you're going to go with six attacking forwards or you're going to go at six scores, I don't think they will. I think they'll okay. go with four and they'll go with the two boys going back. So I think that the lads are pretty much going to play 10 and 12, Darren okay. and Adrian. After that, you probably do have three other certs. Like the two Cliffords are going to play and Shawnee Shea is going to play. So 
there's probably one space up for grabs. And after that, you're thinking, you're thinking there's actually five fellas in contention for it. You've got Michal Burns, Tony Brasson, Paul Ganey, Killian Spillane. And Jack O'Shea or Jack Jack uh, Savage. I was never going to put Jack Savage in there after giving him ten yeah. minutes there. Picking him up. <laughs> I was going to say Jack for the half hour line of fairness. He probably won't play. He'll be he'll be an alternate eleven with Shawnee, I'd imagine. Yeah. So you have probably the four boys uh, battling it out for a corner forward spot. And I think that the, the decision to be made there is who's going to give you the impact off the bench. Okay. And like Burns has history of being an excellent substitute okay yeah. so he was one of Crokes's Dr. Crokes's best forwards but they use him as a stub when they won the All-Ireland he was coming in and just using his legs he can he can offer something uh, and would he would he be kind of a like for like for Moynihan or are they different footballers they're different they're, they're actually cousins they're actually okay. first cousins but they're different Burns would be more attacking minded whereas Dara might be a bit more kind of yeah physical uh, defensive yeah okay but um Two great options for the wing as well, but Michal um, would be more attacking. Then you have Killian Spillane proved it off the bench against Dublin in 19 when he got that great goal. Yeah. Um, Tony apparently is the best fella in training at the moment inside and carry. So like that's interesting to see that he is really staking a claim at the moment, mm-hmm. playing some great football and tearing it up in training. And I know the scene in Kerry is, if you do it in training, you will get the chance. Like He won't just not play him for no reason. If you're if you're given enough reason to play, he'll play up. So then it's between him and him and Paul Ganey then to see who you know who maybe starts. It's it's a very tough decision, but I think that they're blessed with options really. You're right in the way, James, as well. Serious like, depth. There's, there's an element of if a guy when you're making this who's gonna give you a kick off the bench? Like yeah. what what player generally you're looking for someone who's high energy, who's got pace, who's direct. I don't really see that as Gaelic strength. I, I think Gaelic would be guy would be better to start and maybe come out after 45, 50 minutes. Um, and then you're bringing on a Spillane or someone like that who you know as defenders, defences get tired. Here's a guy who's going to get the ball and just take you on. He's going to be high energy. He's going to win fouls. He's going to make things happen. I, I always think that's a, an important balance. You know, particularly last season, we looked at the, the impact squad there the bench has had for Tyrone and Mayo and getting to the All-Ireland final massive yeah. I think it, it, it's a great luxury for Jacko to have with Kerry uh, I think it's important uh, and how they use it bear in mind there's always going to be a couple of injuries as well like, like there's never a case where you're going to have the full deck to go from and yeah. that might be interesting particularly like God forbid or if, if it's a Clifford or O'Shea or someone who picks up a knock but the depth they have and how they manage it is, is going to be a key part of their season because it's an embarrassment the riches at the minute. These guys yeah. are, are putting their hands, like we're talking about Dublin, maybe newer guys coming in, they're not saying, Desi, you have to play me. Or Jack Savage goes out at the weekend for Kerry and kicks five, five spitters. That's, if you're not playing this weekend, you're looking at Jack O'Connor going, hold on a sec. What, I put my hand up there. And that's that's all you can ask for from players in those positions. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. And you you have Savage in as the kind of ready-made replacement if Sean O'Shea needs replacing at 11. He's the natural 11. He's the natural backup 11. He is. Okay. And I think he, he wants that role. He put his hand up for it the weekend. He played there against Mayo as well. Yeah. So he wants that 11. Sean, he's probably ahead of him at the moment because he's the best in the business. So unless Jack is going to fight it out for the corner. But, yeah. But 
if you look at the, their style of play, Jack kind of drops out a small bit and so does Paddy Clifford. So yeah. if you play the two of them, probably is too, too far dropping back. But it's interesting to see how Kerry are playing at the moment where they are getting bodies back. But come Crow Park, it'll be a lot more difficult to play that. You know, it's yeah. in Armagh, it might be a bit tighter, but in Crow Park, you're asking your, your corner forward to get Morley, back up the field. It's Morley tough. has been very effective. He was very effective in Tralee against Mayo, very effective again at the weekend in the role he's playing at centre-back. Yeah, he's been... It, it, it would be nice to see uh, how weekend results go, but, but maybe a Kerry Mayo final in Crow Park. Um, can I ask you a question? Hopefully, why, I think that why, could be a big... Why aren't Mayo going for the bloody league final? Why did they take the foot off the gas? They took the they, foot off the gas against Rome. Get, they still might get there. Yeah. They, get there. they win at the weekend. They don't want to be there, Paddy. I, I yeah, but my, my experience of them is that they're, they're not arsed with the league. Yeah. In all the years we've had, now they won it in 19. 19 they won. But generally speaking, <laughs> there was a couple of games they target. They were never really contenders. They're, they're happy to kind of to be honest, majority of them would knock a real relegation, to be honest, and they'd, they'd pull it out of the bag. But they've never struck me as the team, James Horn, that he's going, I want to win silverware and win a National League, which is maybe surprising. But you can't really argue with the man as well because he, he's done incredible things with them. But I think the throw game of the weekend was just an odd one because they win the game, they're in the league final as well. They lost to that team in the All-Ireland final last year. It's a chance to go up to Oba thrown on a low ebb particularly after the, the couple of weeks of losing to Donegal and Dublin you can pretty much relegate Thoreau and win there there's so much additional benefits to winning that game but it seems from the outside looking in that James Horn is targeting games at the start of the league and no matter what happens is well, no matter what is riding on the results that week he's going to go with this set of players or these guys for these games mm. uh, which is it's an interesting way to go They've, they've got a lot out of the league up until yeah. I'd even say down in Tralee they got a lot out of that game that game yes. going into the wire even in the last 15 minutes sure they failed to score but you know that wasn't anything new in terms of they need to unearth maybe another score in Tretton obviously Killian O'Connor and Tommy Conroy are, are massive losses in that regard James you you seem very convinced that they, they don't want to make the they don't want to make the league final he couldn't think of anything worse than being in that league final I'd say James Torrent why? You've lost two all Ireland finals in Crow Park with two very young teams. Surely it's good for the memory bank to win a bit of silverware. Hundred percent. And trust me, a game in Crow Park, a big game in Crow Park, is it's Kerry. It's it's a no brainer. But maybe he's worried that they'll be undercooked come Galway, and he's seeing how good, how well Galway are going, and he's worried about them. Or else maybe he's thinking, I don't want to show Kerry anything, and I don't want to have to commit to to play my best team there. At that stage, I don't know. Like, I disagree 100% with him. But if you think about the team they had out the last day, right? They'd know Henley. I know he pulled out sick, I think. Mm. He left out Michael Plunkett, O'Hora, Durkin, and Dermot O'Connor. O'Shea and, was six. Yeah. And I think Bolin was back to field as well. I think he might have tugged out wing back. A bit deeper. He was definitely running deeper than he had played in Tralee. He's playing 12. I know he's playing 12, but he, he tugged out deeper. But they, they did not want to win that game. He wanted to go up, have a look at it, and see what happens. But if I look at their fixtures... <laughs> it, it's it's hard to argue with Horan as well, though, isn't it? But if they, they were he'd have, thrown out, he'd have taken everyone off. 
He didn't yeah. finish the game with 13 just to make sure they lost that game. <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear, we're not accusing Mayo of throwing the game at the weekend. But I think it's a very oh, interesting yeah. line of thinking. It's a very interesting line of thinking that perhaps that they are reluctant. They don't want to show their hand. Obviously, there's a bit yeah. of shadow boxing that goes on in the league all the time. Paddy, do you think it's that bad? I don't think I don't think James Corden is intentionally throwing matches here. <laughs> but uh, but no, it's, it's hard to argue with him because he, he's done a bit of a spectacular job with Mayo over mm. the last, in, in his entire time there. And you're thinking from the outside looking in, they're going, would a, a national trophy again, particularly for this this is a newer generation of Mayo players. I. I think it would be a big boost for them in terms of confidence. Like, say, going to Crow Park and winning the game. Okay, the flips that they might not win it, they could lose to Kerry Crow Park. Damage just that, too. I, I don't know. I just get the sense that, that James Horn has sat down to start with his selectors of this season and said, These are the games we're playing. These are the players I want to put in in these scenarios. And, and I don't care if we've lost our first five games or we've won our first four, four, four or five games or whatever's going on around that fixture at the time. This is our plan for the National League. Yeah. And, and they have got a lot out. And they could still, they win at the weekend and they'll be in the league final. Definitely. Yeah. So he, he's ticked all the boxes that we've challenged Dublin on. <laughs> so I'd say five new players and Dublin can't, couldn't buy a win. James Horn is still one game away from winning it. But the weekend, if you're looking in from the outside, you're all the psychological boxes there of beating the team, the All-Ireland Champions, you bet you the final last year, going up there and winning, relegating them, cementing your place in the league final. And you're right, James. It's It was kind of like, listen, I'm not really arsed if we win or lose this one. Which is, it's it's interesting, but like I said, who are we to argue with them? We'll see at the weekend if they beat Kildare and, and they're in a league final. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see Kerry Mayo in Crow Park. It's kind of like last year. Again, yeah, it's kind of like last year when we were crying out for Dublin, Dublin Kerry. Do you know what, Tommy, as well, on the other side, like, I don't know, Jimmy, you're saying about, you know, they play Galway soon after. The best prep for that is, like, what are you got to do? Like, train that weekend instead. Have a training game. Yeah. Go and play in Crow Park against one of the top teams in a big game with a massive crowd. Maybe win a trophy. Surely that will give you, no, I'm not a coach. Yeah. But would that not give a boost going into that game you can, you, you'd imagine it would you'd imagine oh, it we're going to be playing that weekend they're going to be playing Division 2 they are yeah, 100% against the Rossies or Derry so yeah. it's you know just what? the one Let's let's have a bit of fun, right? We have a couple of football pod listener questions. We've got our fantasy Gaelic analysis of Paddy Andrews' management, mismanagement, sorry. James, I'll let you jump in one last time. No, no. Oh, yeah, go on. So, no, it's the very last thing I was going to say on that is you said, Paddy, do you know what we said before about like some games mattering more to others yeah. in the league, right? And away Saturday night game is yeah. so powerful to win that. He had two goes at it yeah. carry away Tyrone away other teams would cry out for those fixtures just win one and imagine the boost you get imagine the bet, going the bet double the croaker as well like they're the three yeah. the traditional biggest rivals that are playing away from home on Saturday yeah. nights it's savage yeah. tough fixtures but I mean if they got over the line in, in the in the one against Tyrone I think it would have been a massive boost hmm no, sorry, interesting point. No, very interesting. Uh, one of a bit of fun here. We can look back at it next week. Let's play a bit of predictions. All right. So, just to give you the bottom five in Division One, Monaghan are bottom of the table on four points, but they have a worse scoring difference than Dublin. Very close. They're on four points as well. 
Tyrone are on five points. Donegal are on five points. Kildare are on five points. Now, rapid fire, boys. I know we're not great at rapid fire here on the football pod. Who are going to win between Monaghan and Dublin in Clonus? Paddy. Dublin. James. Dublin. I think the Dubs are going to pull it out of the bag as well. I don't think Monaghan are going to do it two years in a row. They got Galway last year. Next game. Kerry Tyrone. Kerry. Tyrone. I reckon Kerry will play complete second string. Yeah, I still think they'll probably win at top. And Tyrone I, have to win. I was in the same boat as Paddy. I still think Kerry you, will beat you're, Tyrone. You're the one that said rapid fire here, Tommy. Now you're trying to be yourself. <laughs> and I'm going to say I'm going to say uh, Tyrone. <laughs> okay, Donny Golarma. Oh, Arba. That's it, Donegal. Arba. Donegal. Arma Arba. as well. Arma as well. Do you want to go? And then Mayo Kildare. Kildare. Oh. Do you think Kildare will win this one? I think Mayo will beat them. I think it'll be a Mayo Kerry League final. I hope it is. If Kildare beat Mayo and Arma win, it's Arma Kerry the point, yeah? Uh, yeah, it's our Mac Kerry in the final. Now, I'm just trying to figure out who we think will go down. Anyways, we'll come back to it. So whoever goes down, goes down. We'll come back and look at these predictions. Division 2, Galway playing Roscommon. Galway are already through. Do we think Roscommon are going to make the league final? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Galway, Der- or me, Derry then. I actually think me are going to beat Derry this weekend. I think oh, me are suited. I think me are suited to play Derry. I'm telling you, boys. Keep an eye on that one. Derry will get a bounce back. Okay. Laurie Gallagher be looking for a bounce back after the last couple of weeks. I agree. I'm expecting Clare to be down. They look, they look very poor. They didn't look themselves at all. They didn't, know. Clare playing down or already relegated. I presume we're all going Clare, Clare, Clare. Yeah. Cork Offaly. James, you're first. Cork, okay. Paddy thinks Cork. No, no, you're okay. I for... I think, I think Offaly. I'm calling Offaly here. I think Offaly. Where's that? Is it in Tullamore? Uh, let me check. <laughs> That that's a straight shootout thing. Whoever straight wins that, shootout. It's in Tullamore. Straight shootout. I think Offaly are pulling this oh. out of the bag. Tomas O'Shea have him riled up this week. That'll be an interesting one, though. Yeah. Like, look, I gotta go out a little. I I hope I would like Offaly to win them. I'd love to see Offaly stay up. I don't want to see Cork go down, but I think they could be in trouble in a away game there. Yeah. Even though they had a good win against Down, but it looked like a training match. We're hardly going all Offaly, are we? <sighs> That is a tough one. That is very tough. No, do you know what? Yeah, I got Offaly, I reckon. Oh, I don't feel good for Offaly now, but we've all got Offaly here. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, in Division 3, uh, five teams can go up, right? So, Antrim or Westmead? I'm calling Antrim. Will that be enough to get them through, though? No. But... No. They won't, because they need... Limerick to not beat Fermanagh. Okay. So, so sorry, I'll start with the first game. Loud need to beat Wicklow to guarantee yeah. promotion. Wicklow yeah. need to win to stay up. So we think Loud are going to win. Wicklow are going down. Some job by Mickey Hart. Okay. okay. Back well, last year, back to back promotions. I feel for them. And then, if Longford hockey leash, they can stay up. 
Nah, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. So I think Leash are going to win that one. Leash can't get go up. Fermanagh need to beat Limerick. They need to hammer them, and they need to hope that it's a draw between Antrim and Westmead for Fermanagh to go up. So Fermanagh have a very difficult job of going up here. But that's did the permutation. Say, um, did we start this section with quick fire? I'm trying to explain to his tree. It's very difficult. I'm still on New York side here. I'm going to pass out. Ant- Antrim, okay. Antrim Westmead. Antrim. I think Antrim did. And then I think Limerick are going to beat Fermanagh. So I actually think Limerick and Ida are going to go up. And then Division 4. What way do you see it going? Leitrim Sligo. It may not matter. If the GA don't change these the fixtures around for Division 4, we should boycott the whole thing. Okay. Well, that's, the football that's, that's a fair point. Do you know what? We're not, not calling right. predictions. We'll tweet our predictions if the GA move. Yeah. We'll tweet our predictions. All right, okay. That's not good. Yeah, just uh, we've a couple of questions, two or three questions from the football listeners that I want to get to. Just before we do, the Electric Ireland Sigerson Team of the Year was named today. Just to call it out, Connor Carroll from Roscommon and Golds, Owen McLaughlin of Mayo cornerback, Shea Ryan of Kildare fullback, Fiona Mackesy of Kerry and Ard Furt an MTU Kerry cornerback, Sean Powter from Cork was wing back, Owen Kelly of Galway and Mycullen was centre back, Sean Kelly of Mike Cullen and Galway was wing back Red Oak Murphy what a footballer not playing inter-county football this year of DCU not playing with Sligo and Curry he's midfield with Matthew Tierney um, James's bolter pick in the uh, or proper pick in the in the fancy Gaelic team midfield Fionn McDonough wing forward for Westport and Mayo and NUIG Emmett McMahon Emmett McMahon of Clare centre forward Gavin Burke of Galway and Cara Finn wing forward Tony Brosnan in the corner David Clifford full forward and Carl Heenahan who shot the lights out for NUIG of Roscommon in the other corner. So that's the Sigerson team. James, I'm just going to read out a, a message we got in during the week on Instagram. I wanted to put it to you. Um, let me just get it up. So we're looking it's, for who bumped into their car, is it? Sent it to you a little earlier and you hadn't opened my message. I don't know if you saw it. Actually, before I do that, this is from Fergal Burke. Hi, Tommy. Well done on a really enjoyable podcast every week tell the boys to keep up the good work I'm hoping this week you might mention the Hoka Cup final thankfully we did a little earlier I could not believe the standard of play for that age group and some of the scores and forwards in particular were as good as you'd see at elite inter-county level it was the most enjoyable match I've watched in ages I feel like we're all in in agreement with that the TG Carrot build up also included a montage of former players who went on to be inter-county stars including one James O'Donoghue all the best and up the lilies you played Hogan Cup final did you? Yeah, last by a point to um, Tyrone Crowd. Sickening. That is a horrible one to lose. It would be an unbelievable medal to have. Yeah. We won the Munster title. We were the first non-boarders to win the Munster that time. And really? um, we went down to, we beat Charlotte in the semi-final and went down last then to Wow. All the Tyrone. Sickening. What's that? Was it almost CBS? CBS? No. I forget their name. What's good? Were you Brennan's? You were Brennan's? Yeah, we were St. Brennan's, yeah. It was actually the only year. Croke Park has been done up, so we played in Port Leash. Leash That's where you fell out of love with higher education football. No wonder you had no time for the After that, that, like, fall from break. (laughs) It all makes sense. It all makes sense. There's always a trail. There's always a trail. Martin O'Neill actually said that it was his worst defeat, losing Hogan Cup final. He did, didn't he? He was I don't know. Pat's was he or? He which? What college was he? I'm not uh, sure. Might have Pat's. been, might have been Pat's and Derry. I'm not sure who might only play with, but he, I, I've read that quote before as well. 
I think it was St. Pat's we lost in, in Tyrone actually that was their name as well um, I have it stricken from my memory Dungannon Dungannon that was it uh, St. Pat's yeah. Dungannon isn't it? yeah St. Pat's Dungannon about you yeah there you yes. go 2008 August 2008 August yeah oh April sorry April 2008 I'm getting tired too okay next question this is the question I wanted to read to you it's from Kevin Sheehan um, keep doing what you're doing lads uh, love the way you're giving past experiences and talking about life outside of the GA on the pod question for JOD I was at the Kerry Galway game in the terraces in Stacks Park in 2020 JOD was named corner forward and was flying at first half then an announcement came up at half time James O'Donoghue has been taken off injured the crowd groaned he had had a brilliant display against the Dubs in Crow Park sometime before that but we never saw him in a Kerry jersey again my question is what went wrong nothing in the Galway game seemed like he got injured we haven't talked about this James have we no was that yeah it could have been last time I played yeah do you know what happened? I played in the first league game against um, against Dublin and I had, my injury was, I had a trap nerve in my back but I didn't really know it so I used to go down into my calf. It was sciatica but it used to show yeah. up in my calf rather than hamstring. So I um, just gave it a little bit of a, a tweak against Dublin but not major and trained that week and all and then we were playing Galway in Tralee, Saturday night game and uh, we, were, we were warmed up and we were in the huddle before the game and you know you do an extra bit of a warm up just before you go into your position maybe you know a couple of tuck jumps or down onto your chest and then a sprint down into your position only if you're a young lad yeah I should have jogged out but as I was doing my sprint I tore my calf just the, the spot that I hurt against Dublin I just ripped it and when you've done your calf a good few times it's like it comes on you out of nowhere but it's like a zip opening it's just like you zip just up the, the belly of the of the sleeus there, which is the, the bigger muscle in the calf, just at the bottom half of it. I was like, Oh no. I was like, I have not just done that. But I couldn't I couldn't go off straight away like Why? Was, because we were the ball was about to be thrown in. I was I was in my position and I knew the feeling. I was like, I've done I knew it was a great two sleeus. I'd done it ten times just from the nerve of my back. So I said I'd stay I'd play on and I'd see um would I give it 10 minutes and maybe I go off then but I actually wasn't playing too bad so I ended up staying on and uh, I was kind of thinking should I get you know should I take a fella down here get a black card it was like a substitution at the time that if you've got a black card someone yes. else could come on and you know I'd be I'd be able to dodge then or will I just put the hand up and run over but I said I couldn't do it so I just I, I played on for a half and I made absolute ribbons on my calf it ended up like um a five centimeter tear, I think it was, and it took oh my god, like eleven weeks to get back. Instead of it would have been a month, but um, yeah, it was just one of those crazy moments. But it's so hard to to put the hand up and go off. Yes. No, again, it's like, and even that was the the atmosphere in the stadium. I was like, oh, not this fella again at half time. So if I'd gone over before, but I was even thrown in. <laughs> what is he doing going over there? Can I can I read you? Can I read you a quote from Colin Keyes' match report that night in Tralee? So Kerry went at 2.11. Sorry, 1.15 to 2.11. And here we go. There was electricity everywhere around him. James O'Donoghue picked up from where he left off last week and he had two points on the board before Galway pulled Johnny Duane ashore. Poor old Johnny Duane when he hears this story. (laughs) 
Jimmy's on one so, leg. So, so that's, where, no. that's where you were at. 22 minutes in, your marker's whipped off. Now, put my hands up. Johnny Dewan may have had an injury himself before throwing. But you have ripped your cap. Do you have a crutch with you at this stage? Huh? Do you have a crutch with you at this stage? <laughs> no, I was in, I was in agony, but I just couldn't, I couldn't go off. But I, I was on the, I was on the physio table in half time and Morris Fitzgerald came over to me and he was like, uh, James, he thought it was in my head. Like, he was like, will you give us 10 more minutes anyway? For God's sake, kind of thing. You're playing well. Just, just 10 more minutes. I said, Keen said this to you. Couldn't not. No, oh, Morris Fitzgerald. Oh, like, Morris Fitz. Like, sorry, Morris Fitz. Just, just go on, just battle on. I said, I honestly can't. I'm after ripping my calf. And was Morris Fitz... Was that the last game? That's where it was your last game. I think we figured it out before that it was your... I think it was your last yeah. game. And was Morris Fitz saying that to you because... As we were talking encouragement. about... Encouragement. Yeah, for encouragement, yeah. sure. But like, as we were talking about the, the Kerry side at the minute, it's so stacked with forwards. Um... Did Morris Fitz know that you were in good form and that you needed a league campaign like we were saying Paddy McBurty had this year with six games? You had obviously had a, an injury-stricken year or two before that as well, James. Morris Fitz probably looking at you there thinking, this is what this fella needs. Yeah, Shooting yeah. the lights out in Tralee Saturday night against Galway. Definitely, yeah. 100%. Oh, that's that where he like. was coming from. He yeah. was trying to do me a solid. He was like, look, just graft here for 10 minutes. Get your extra 10 minutes in and get into the shower. But it was just, I was gone too far in it and that's it. Oh. You no, know, Jimmy, I, I did exact very similar. My last game with Dublin was Monaghan in 2020. Would it be? Or 2021? The year of COVID. What year was that? 2020. 2020. Yeah. 2020. So, same thing. It was the second game of the league. Desi taking over, and he's like, he's like, it's very similar to Morris Fitz. He's like, Gibby, you're going to get a couple of games here. Just show me you can kick a couple of scores again, get back into it. We played you guys in the first rate game and I was stonewall useless. So uh, he goes, we're back in Croker against Monaghan. And he goes, right, you're playing from the start. Just don't be putting pressure on yourself. So go out and play. I was marking Colin Wallstein. Win the first ball, uh, laid off, we get a score. Next ball comes in down the line and I tear my hamstring. Oh. It's only like ter- 10 minutes in. 11 minutes. Was br- 11 minutes in. And... That was the last, I knew straight away, I actually come off the pitch, it was right inside of the Hogan stand, and it turned out, it was like, it was a grade three tear. I was gone for like 12 to 14 weeks. It was an absolute catastrophe. COVID came in that summer, and I never played again. But I, I knew, I think there's, there's photos of me, literally as it happens, and I'd be head in my hands, because I knew that was my chance. And the coaches were nearly giving me, giving me a goal, like, mm. and... And that was it. I never played for Dublin again. A week apart, boys. February 1st, 2020 and February 8th, 2020. You both <laughs> played your last games. You're both whipped off early with injury. Too yeah. early. Too early. Too early. God, too soon. <laughs> it's interesting you say that, that you got the chance. I, I felt a bit like that as well that day that Peter Keane had been so good to me and he was trying to get yeah. me back in. Yeah. And like I would have embarrassed the two of us by going over before throwing like it does it's mental what goes through your head at those times if you could go back and just not make that decision it's madly but look God sport isn't it have many people was was Kevin do you know Kevin was that an eagle eyed comment had many people brought that game up to you before the guy who sent in that that question no well people ask me right what happened because Hmm. um, obviously you were flying 
Well, no, but like it was going all right at the time, and then it was just all over. <laughs> but um, yeah, people ask me, but yes. Monday night, like Jim, I thought I wasn't going to struggle to sleep tonight. Oh, Ellen, Ellen, Kevin, like we won all over again. I'm absolutely depressed leaving this. <laughs> Kevin, thank you for the brilliant question, James. I'm sorry you had to relive that, and Paddy. I'm sorry you had to relive that as well. Jimmy was in better form the Monday night he got back from Prague. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just a shout out to everyone who sends in questions and topics and thoughts every single week. We never get enough time, probably because I spend too much time asking you questions. Uh, but they're all on a, on a sheet. I'm planning to get through so many of them. I'm going to throw one more at the lads here before we get going. People are sending in questions on Instagram at footballpod underscore GA, sending them in on email at the footballpod at offtheball.com and they're tweeting them in as well, um, into the DM. So I have a bit of a panic every week where I can't find where they've been sent to, but we really appreciate them coming in. Um, a couple of questions in on Kildare, how you think they're going to get on. A couple of questions in on whether we have overhyped Derry on the football pod. Don't know if you'd, you'd make that call this at this stage. Um, Mark Walsh wants to know, is Kildare's forward line better without Dan Flynn? No. Hard to say it like that. Next. That's the case. Next. Uh, clear demolition job. Do Offaly have a chance at a Leinster semi if they're in Chapel form? I can't remember their draw. James, just in case you forget, I don't think we mentioned Stephen O'Brien earlier on in the carry forwards. So O'Brien would obviously be a, a shout in the half forward line as well. In that position. Oh, in God's earth, did we forget Stephen O'Brien? We just yeah, had a question. We had, we had a question uh, in. Thoughts absolutely on... unbelievable the weekend. Yeah, he was so good. I was trying. Yeah, I was trying to get all the names. I've, that's mad. No, I forgot him. He has about a list of three hundred names and shout outs he has to give. There, <laughs> <laughs> he got caught up in all the skills, lads. Who's name? Yeah. How do we forget Stephen O'Brien? That is the worst thing we've ever done. <laughs> Right, I won't sit you up. I'll, I'll, I'll edit it that you have O'Brien in there. Uh, I'll bring him. Nah, no, keep, keep it real. Keep it real. <laughs> right. Finally, this week on the Football Pod, we're getting towards the end where we've got some amazing prizes. I actually have been given another sensational prize for the Football Pod Fantasy League that I will reveal next week. I'm going to get my hands on it. You guys will both be excited by it next week when I arrive with it. Uh, I haven't opened it up out of the box yet, so you're going to get it fresh. But... Um, we have the IGA coach board, Evan Talty, sent it in. So we have one to give away to one of our winners. Um, we also have a jersey, that sensational jersey that Allianz Dub Tracker sent in too. And we have a couple of other belter surprises that we're going to deliver. So top of the table right now, Carl Killen, the hippies from Mayo Bridge, has got a sensational 1,338 points. Carl, I want to hear all about your management decisions this week. Had a look at your team. You had four ca- Cavan boys in there. So, good call on that. Um, four Cavan. Yeah, you had Mickey Graham as his coach and three Cavan players. So, you did two, well there. Two, two, two per team. I think once the transfers came in this week, they changed the rules that you could actually add in a little bit more. James, do you want to talk us through any of your selection decisions? You had Connor Sweeney in your team. You have Matthew Tierney in your team. Some impressive I choices. I brought in Sweeney this week. I kept Clifford as my captain. I brought in Patrick Lynch from Cavan. I had Fenton and Smith mid- in midfield who got me a load of points. And a little cheat sheet. Johnny Heaney lined out this week, corner forward or half forward. I had yeah, him in as a corner back. You had Heaney in too. Heaney should have scored a goal as well. Tom O'Callaghan scored the rebound. It's a foot block, no? Could have been a foot block, but Callahan buries it, so he got away with it. Doesn't matter anyway. Yeah, yeah it do- doesn't matter. Darrow Connor um, of Kilbride 
is second on the table. He's got Aidan Nugent in there who didn't, hasn't played the last two weeks. He's got Pat Havern in there. Pat Havern's a player from down. Kicked 25 points this weekend in the fan, not for 25 points in the game, but he got 25 points in the fantasy league. Uh, Keith Byrne and Ryan O'Donoghue are also in his forward line. He's just behind, um, our top of the table. James, I'm just looking for your team here and we're going to wrap it up then because, uh, you have got a couple of interesting selections. Do you remember your team? Yeah. Go on, give us it. Who have you got? Niall Morgan. Yeah. Heaney mm-hmm. Chrissy McCaig <laughs> Lee Keegan Do you remember oh, Paddy Durkin yeah, yeah, Paddy Durkin yeah. Paddy Durkin Yes um, Look at Andrews <laughs> Midfielding I had Ruan and Tierney I had Ryan O'Donoghue I had Connor Sweeney I had Costello I have a team here O'Donoghue I had Clifford And I had You have Tony Brosnan in there Brosnan. And Brian Hurley, yeah. No, it's impressive. You brought in Robbie McDade as well. You, you're bloody working on this the whole time. isn't he? He's working on this every week. Well, you're doing well. You're 29th in the table with 1,127 points. Um, you're 27 points ahead of, or 27 places ahead of me. I'm trying to find Paddy's position here now. I'm going back. Relegated. 94th. Paddy, let's see if we can get you to 1,000 points before the weekend. You're 94th in the table. Joy Smith of Coot Hill Celtic and Michael Healy who doesn't even have a club is just behind you uh, Paddy's team <laughs> you've got Gallagher as your manager you know great oh, shout Began and goals you've Donny Keoghan Owen Bond Gallagher Sean Kelly in defence that's a good full back line Paddy Dirk and Kieran McGeary and Gavin White who's been injured for about four weeks in the half back line you've got Fenton for me as well, like, oh. Fenton and Tierney in midfield who very oh, yeah, okay. Got you 40 points this week. Michael Murphy got the goal. Rain O'Neill, Shane McGuigan on your half forward line. McGuigan obviously suspended. In fairness, I let you down this week. I should have done your transfer on Wednesday before you flew off. Darren McCurry, David Clifford and Cormac Costello up front. Costello delivered this week for you. 34 yeah. points. So Paddy's Wolves, can they get up the table? And can James break into the top? We'll say 15-20. That'd be good going, James. I'm back in 58. We need to organise a call. Later yeah, I've been making transfers and I've fallen off it. So... Cahill Killen, you're in prime position to collect one of the prizes. Daryl Connor just behind you and Kevin Ford also in 1,300 points is there as well. So, lads, thank you all very much for listening in to everyone at home. Paddy Andrews, thank you for being here. <laughs> Two hours. <laughs> Two hours. Fair play oh. to you, boy. <laughs> I'm a tired little man, I have we, to say. We make you work for it here on the Football Pod. James Dunhu, savage stuff as always. You're in flying form. Look at that guy. You tried to bring him down there. Hash it no, up. No, I didn't. Losing hope and cup works. <laughs> okay. We're going to be back next Tuesday. So you guys just hit subscribe, share the pod, enjoy this week. Talk to you all soon. See you, folks. Night, lads. <laughs>